Welcome, welcome, welcome to Embracing the Gray with Vic and Kels, where we are here to challenge the all or nothing thinking when it comes to all things food, body, and mindset. I am so freaking pumped. I've got Victoria back in the house. Um, thank you all for uh, letting me kind of go solo last week. By the way, just a quick announcement. If you uh, were interested in the retreat that I had talked about last week, by the time this comes out, registration will be closed. But if you would like to get on the wait list for next year, definitely be sure to let me know so you don't miss out next year. But today we've got a very special topic, um, something that I'm definitely going to let Victoria kind of take the lead on because I will be honest, it's something that I don't know a ton about but it's kind of this idea of medication, using medication for insulin resistance or um, if there's any sort of help with weight loss. And we're also gonna talk about weight loss surgery, which I'm really excited to dive deep into. So take yeah. it away, Miss Vic. Um, well, hello guys. I This has been an interesting thing to mull over for the, I guess, last year, cause I've been kind of, it was very consistent. I started taking medication um, to help with this whole journey, basically around the time that I met Kelsey. And um, it's almost a year ago today was like when I went to the doctor again after like kind of not going for a long time. Um, and my doctor had specifically at that time I had, it was funny because I actually had a conversation with your brother. And I was, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to get weight loss surgery. Like, I think this is where I'm going to, I like, I'm so over the edge, I guess you could say mm -hmm. that I don't even know what it would look like to lose the amount of weight that I would need to lose. Like it literally felt, um, just suffocating that feeling mm -hmm. of, oh my gosh, I've kind of like done myself in. And he was just like, I, you know, like, if that's what you want to do, go do that. But I also think that you could make other changes and go about it a different way. If that's possible, like give yourself one last kind of like chance. Um, and so when I had met my doctor, she's, she's a nurse practitioner and she does, she's a little bit more on the holistic side, as far as like hormones and all of that stuff. Um, and wanting to like, make sure that stuff is balanced. And it's not just trying to, you know, throw on all these medications. Um, and at that time I had kind of decided like I was going to get weight loss surgery and I was, um, scheduled to go in for like all the pre-ops and, you know, all the initiation appointments in March. I was supposed to go earlier than that, but I kept pushing it off and thank goodness I did. <laughs> um, so she had started me on a medication and it's technically for type two diabetes. Um, yeah. it's called Ozempic. Um, and there's like a whole class of, and I don't know that much about it, honestly, but like, there's a whole class of medications within the diabetic medications that can help with the insulin resistance. Um, anything that it would do for, you know, somebody that has diabetes, it's also helpful for people that are struggling with weight loss and, um, specifically my issue was feeling like, even if I knew that I was having a balanced plate and, you know, getting that, the fullness that I thought I should have, like nothing was 
nothing was cutting it. Like there was, there was not a moment. Like I just, I felt like I was like a never ending garbage disposal. Like I just put some garbage in and then it kind of went through. Um, and so a long story short, she had recommended a different medication, but my insurance doesn't cover it. And it was a whole, it was a whole debacle of like, it was going to be 1800, like on the low end a month, a month. By the yeah. way, is this a form of like metformin? Is that kind of the same? So metformin's an oral version. Um, I was taking a subcutaneous, so like just like you know, in any subcutaneous fat, you just do an injection like once a week. Oh, and were were you having to go in and get the shots or no, like it'd just self administer? Okay, cool. Yeah. So so I was supposed to. So she wanted me to start this other medication called Wagavi, which is, um. I guess you could say Ozempic, but stronger and a little bit more targeted for the like weight loss side of it. Um, I knew I wasn't going to go on any like fentramine, like an appetite suppressant. That's like, that's all it does. Um, Cause I had issues with that in the past. And I just, I wanted something that was actually going to like do stuff in my gut, like more, I guess, attacking from every angle, I guess you could say. Um, but my insurance would not cover Ozempic because I was not a type two diabetic. They would not cover metformin because I didn't have type two diabetes. They would not cover anything. And I had like my, I mean, I guess this can also be a conversation of just how insurance is just, I mean, you've had your insurance issues. I've had mine, right? Like I, I literally was like, okay, so you're going to approve me for a $10,000 plus surgery. Yeah. But you won't a medication that, you know, I could pay half and they could pay half. I would have totally been fine with that. I could have, we could have figured it out. Nothing like they, anything that was, that had any type of like side effect being weight loss or like any appetite thing, they would not cover it. And so question just real quick. So you definitely weren't type two diabetic, but nope. were there were any markers of possibly pre-diabetes or insulin resistance? So it was interesting because like, I, I had thought, you know, the weight that I was, I thought that my, my A1C was going to be like crazy, you know, astronomical, like six, seven, eight, like starting to get there. Um, it was, I think maybe five it was never no I think it's like it was like 4.7 and since then it's gone down can you give me a range like just like what what are normal ranges what are high ranges just so people and what is a1c yeah um, so hemoglobin I mean man I'm not in the nursing world as much as I should be um as I used to be but um it's basically like a snapshot of your body's ability to process glucose Okay. So a normal A1C is below 5.7, a level of 5.7 to 6.4 indicates pre-diabetes, a level of 6, 6.5 indicates diabetes. And how do they check that exactly? So it's just a blood draw. And it, do, are they doing that? Cause I know there was, um, I had uh, a roommate who was a pharmacist and he had yeah. one of those little like pokey. Oh. So that's, that's just to, so, um, that's just to check like your blood sugar in, in the moment. So like, um, I had done that before I had, you know, done like a pre pre meal right was during my meal. And then after just to like, I mean, 
just to see because I was like what is going on like I my appetite is rampant like what what is what is this that's going on basically um I know that I wasn't ever at 5.7 but I was close to the pre-diabetes marker Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then just for the WebMD, you know, definition, it tells me your average level of blood sugar over the past two to three months. Okay. So, um, yeah. So they're just saying like a single, think of it as like a baseball game, like a single game doesn't tell you how the player is performing. A one day test result doesn't give you a complete picture. So the A1C kind of really gives that snapshot. Interesting. So, so okay. that was, you know, part of it, but like, and what was your A1C? I'm sorry. What was it again? I think it was 5.4. I think okay, so it was like on the edge of pre-diabetes. Yeah. Okay. But, but not quite there yet. Yeah. Okay. And, and then like my fasting sugar wasn't, um, you know, before eating anything like going in, it was like probably 90. So like anything less than a hundred, 110 ish is kind of the goal. Yeah, I think I've, I've done that. I think that was where I was at throughout. And just just so I can clarify the whole story, at what when did you go into the doctor to schedule the weight loss surgery? So I went I went to the doctor last October. My my primary oh we are almost at a year. Oh, that's yeah. so exciting. Okay. So last October I I went to the doctor and that was my highest weight. I had I had not looked at the scale and when I looked at the I literally almost like fell over. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, well I'm here and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna establish. I've never really had like a relationship with my doctor before, mm -hmm. and like over this past year like she knows everything. She knows, right. you know, like the way I'm feeling, how I like everything that I could wish for, you know, with the provider. And I'm just going to like one second, like put some pins. We're definitely going to be talking about how medication has been beneficial and whatever else, but I need people to hear this again and again and again. The medication can be just like anything, like a protein, like I'm, I'm right now I'm drinking a protein shake because I just finished my workout and all the things. These are supplements. They are meant to supplement what you're already doing. And I want you guys to recognize that Victoria had come to the decision. She had made a decision. She had cut off a past version of herself and decided on a future version of herself. And that meant getting out of her comfort zone and building a relationship with her doctor. That meant creating these habits and whatever else. Like, I just want people to recognize like medication can be, and even weight loss surgery, like these can be amazing tools, but do not look at it as like the thing that will change everything. It does come with you making those decisions along the way, but okay. So you made that decision. So, so we started talking, I had mentioned potential weight loss surgery. She had given me, you know, like she had said that, you know, she's had some patients do it. She's had some people go the medication route and like, so I kind of started talking to the weight loss surgery doctor as far as like getting the initial appointments. And I think I rescheduled it like two, one or two or three times. Like I definitely remember pushing it back. Um, cause I was just, I was really trying to not go that route. Um, mm -hmm. mostly cause there's just inherent risk in going under the knife. And, um, for me, I was just like, I knew that I had to do the mental work, but I, I couldn't unshrink my stomach. Like, right. like that's a whole, I mean, permanently doing that stuff, you know, for some people it works and it's great, 
but for me, I was just like, I don't think that that's going to be the route that I go down. So in October was kind of when all that started. My insurance refused to cover anything. And thankfully my doctor was giving me samples of the medications because like they would not, they would not do any compromise. So, um, around that time, it, I didn't start the medication until I think December, like after December. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So there was a waiting period of like, am I going to do the weight loss surgery? I told you I, you know, started Octavia. Like I wasn't doing any of that stuff then. Um, but I started the medication around, it was either late December or like right when I was doing 75 hard during mm-hmm. Jan- the first of January. So, um, at in January, I had already lost, you know, 25 to 30 ish pounds. And so I knew that it was like possible for me to, to lose weight. It was just that like, so there was two parts of it. Like the first part was I had, I had, by the time I had gone on 75 hard and like implemented habits, um, and, you know, doing the program and all of these things that were like coming together, I knew that it was so much more than a surgery or a medication. Like this was a lifestyle thing that was going to be long-term. Um, now, did I need something to kind of like kickstart that? Absolutely. And I had already gone into the conversation with my doctor of like, I will not be on this for the rest of my life, which there's no reason for me to be on it for the rest of my life. Cause I'm not going to be like in the caloric deficit weight loss phase for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part of it was like, eventually when Josh and I have kids, like, I don't want to be on any medication. And so she had already like, kind of, we had that mutual understanding that like, I was going to start tapering off of, you know, my antidepressants and stuff. And like, eventually once I get to a healthier body weight, like those things are also going to go. Um, so I already kind of had this, I guess, short-term mindset with the medications, Um, but as I started like losing more weight, I just had this like weird tension of like, is this you like, or is this the medication? Mm -hmm. Like, are you actually doing the hard work or is this just like, this medication is great. Um, and so there was that, I guess, tension. And then it was like, is it valid for me to share my story when I feel like I had a crutch, if you will. Like, so all of these things are kind of, um, I I don't necessarily, I guess right now I'm just in the place of like, I'm so thankful that it has gotten me this far because I feel so much better. And I feel like I finally have a handle over like what my body does and how it responds to things. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, my close family knows that I'm on Medicaid. Like, um, I actually switched from Ozempic to, um, it's a new medication. It's called Munjaro. And like, it was such a blessing because my doctor had ran out of all of her samples. Like I run her out and she was like this new, like this medication is $25 for the next year, every month. Why is that? So basically like in the insurance world, the insurance companies haven't picked up on this medication yet that it's like up and coming. And so they're offering a discounted rate savings thing. So 
it's like a savings card basically for the medication. And she was like, you know, if this is, you know, the medication that you want to do, but like, I had gotten to the point where I was like, okay, am I going to pay the $1,800 or just not be on the medication? Or like, I still have some work to do. So like, what is that going to look like? And then this, I guess you could say opportunity came. So, um, but a lot, so I'll kind of get into what this medication does for me. Um, so part of it is it keeps food in my stomach for longer. So it, it slows my gastric emptying time. Um, so that I actually do feel that fullness for a longer period of time, rather than like this, that feeling of like, you know, I just had a meal. Why am I still hungry? And, and so that has helped a lot as far as just my appetite. I wouldn't say that there's like a wicked, um, I guess, cause I have something to compare it to, but when I was younger, I was on Phentermine and that shit was like, like that stuff's insane. Like, I, so I have that to compare it to. Cause I'm just like, you know, I still feel that urge to eat most of the time. Um, so, so it does that. It also helps your pancreas secrete insulin so that it can pick up the blood sugar, the sugar in your blood to utilize it for energy. Um, and I had, I hadn't ever gotten like insulin resistance markers done, but it it's pretty easy to kind of connect the dots of like, I've never been a consistent weight. I've always yo-yoed. Um, and the yo-yoing, the yo-yo dieting, the yo-yo body weight can cause insulin resistance. So like my body didn't know how to actually pick up, release insulin, pick up the blood sugar and use all of it for, you know, energy. So one of the biggest reasons, like we are such proponents of finding something that's actually sustainable and not trying to lose weight as fast as possible. Because when you try and do that, that's when you have that, those huge swings and it's really hard on your body. They have actually found that it would have been better for your body if you would have stayed at a higher weight consistently. Your body would be healthier if you stayed at a higher weight than if you were to constantly do these huge swings and yo-yo. So please be conscious, guys, when you're thinking about, again, how do you want to lose weight? Is, is this something that's just like as fast as possible, whatever else, or is this something that I can do for the rest of my life? Yeah. And, and that was, I guess, I mean, you hit the, you hit it like on the head, like the, I had done that for so long and I had already like done my body and my metabolism a disservice by not having that consistency. So I was like, okay, well, if this is, so I just, I knew that this was kind of going to be the path that I was taking, I guess you could say. And, and when I get to that, I guess, stable body weight, like my entire goal is just going to be to eat, you know, to fullness, to enjoy. I mean, I still enjoy food. So like nothing's really going to change. I was about to say, like you keep talking about a caloric deficit. And I think this is a really, this is a big deal. I get this question asked all of the time because it's true. Like in order to lose weight, you have to be in a caloric deficit. Now, I will say people, 
you cannot go into a drastic caloric deficit. When you're in a drastic caloric deficit, your body will kind of in freak out mode because it wants you to survive. It will adapt really, really quickly and drastically lower your metabolism, which is why like say you do a 1200 calorie diet and then you start plateauing. And the only thing you can do then is to continue to like lower and lower and lower your calories until it's like, it won't work. Yeah. And I guess the caveat, I guess something that I didn't really think about was this, I had done the drastic calorie thing. I was eating, I think I tried to calculate like on Octavia, which good Lord, I don't even know how it's legal to do what they're doing. Like I was eating less than, I mean, anywhere from like 900 to 1200 calories a day. Oh my gosh. And my guys like like fathom. And that was the question for you. I was like, do you see yourself eating these fuelings, eating these products for the rest of your life? And the problem is they keep saying, well, do this to drop the weight initially. And then you can go then, back. And I'm like, no, you can't. Yeah, and then we have a trans, uh, what is it? Like a, um, a, what is it? Like the, we have a plan to put you to transition back to regular food. And, and so that was already like, it didn't feel good for me to be on that because I had already known about intuitive eating. I knew what I had to do. I wasn't doing it. It was like this, like weird tension and angst because I, it was everything. It was against everything that I deep down was for, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. but something you just said, like about the caloric deficit, like I, this, I guess you could say the medication was a tool specifically in the fact that I'm not in a drastic like I'm eating regular meals and going like, we'll go get wings or we'll go get an ice cream. Like, so I guess I could say that this is helped in a sense that I'm not having to drastically cut all of these calories and one feel like shit. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm able to feel normal and I'm able to feel like I'm not I mean, the feeling of being on a diet and being like, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I can't go with friends. I can't enjoy family. I can't enjoy the holidays. Like that, that's not part of my life right now at this moment. Like I'm able to have that balance. And like guys, a gent, like we talk about a gentle caloric deficit. That's what your body needs. So it doesn't freak out and like drastically adapt and then make it so that you end up regaining weight really quickly. If you go back to whatever you were doing again, also why you need something that's sustainable and something that you can do long-term some ways that we talk about doing a gentle caloric deficit, just focusing on having protein and fiber in each of your meals. Like, especially if you're having leafy greens or any sort of vegetables, those are going to be voluminous. So it's going to be really like, it's going to feel like you're eating a lot. It's going to help you feel fuller in the moment. Um, but it's going to be really calorically small, right? It's not going to be a lot of calories. It's the opposite with fat. Fat is very high in calories. It's calorically dense, but it's not very filling. Um, and the reason we, we really prioritize protein, it, well, lots of reasons. Protein is the, the building blocks of life. It's amino acids. It's your DNA, RNA. It's your muscle. It's your hemoglobin. It's protein is everything. But the other thing about protein is it takes longer for your body to digest and absorb it. So it requires more energy. It actually takes calories. You burn calories digesting protein. And because it takes longer to digest and absorb, it actually can help you stay and feel fuller 
for longer. So if you are looking like, how do I get into a gentle caloric deficit? Here's the thing, have regular meals throughout the day. I'm not kidding. When I say I try and have four meal experiences a day, I'm not perfect at it. Um, but for the most part, I have four meal experiences a day. I aim to have 20 to 30 grams of protein in each of those meal experiences. I try and have some form of fiber, whether that be like oatmeal or vegetables or um, you know some sort of, of fruit or something that, that, that kind of keeps me full. So you're having those four meal experiences, focusing on protein and fiber, walk. And that's something that Victoria, like these are the things that Victoria did. The medication again was a piece of it, but these were the things that Victoria did. She started using the eight app. She started recognizing and eating regular meals. She started walking, which was massive. And that was part of what 75 hard was for her. It wasn't that she was like doing these massive, huge workouts. It was that she was starting to walk for 45 minutes every single day. Like that, like those things, if you can do those things, right. Drinking more water, cause drinking more water is going to help you with your appetite. Because a lot of times we start craving sugar and craving all these things, but really we're just thirsty. And so guys, those are those small habits. It doesn't, we don't have to overthink it. You don't have to drastically cut things out. You don't have to like go on some sort of product. Just focus on protein and fiber, getting your steps in and water. I promise those things can do massive, massive benefits for There's you. so little that they don't seem like they're going to do anything or that they'll really make a difference, but it's that compounding effect over time. Yep. And, and notice the way that you feel once you start implementing those things. And that will kind of, I guess, create that momentum because we naturally as humans want to do things that make us feel good. Um, so just being really aware of that. Um, so that I guess in a nutshell, like, yes, I'm still on the medication. I, I really like, I don't an, imagine me being on it for that much longer. Um, like long, I mean, and then, and then it's going to be the going back to, you know, not being on the medication. Um, and that'll be a whole nother, I mean, that's why we're part of the reason I love doing the podcast is because I can really see these things over time. Um, but the, I guess, thing I guess I could say was it doesn't discount my experience. Not it at doesn't all. discount the things that I've done. Um, and I also went into this knowing like it's not reasonable for me to be on, you know, X, Y, and Z medication for the rest of my life because I don't need to do that for the rest of my life. Now, at the weight that I was at, like that was like my last. I guess, glimpse of hope was to start this and, you know, to add on all the habits in addition to it, like that was the life-changing part. I don't think that it's going to be like a monumental thing. If you start the medication and you just think that it's going to do the work for you, because really it's just kind of, um, I was looking at the other things that it does. So increases insulin production, it decreases your liver's production of glucagon, and then it slows the speed at which food empties your stomach, which helps manage blood sugar, stabilize it, and also leaves you feeling a little bit fuller for longer. So like those things are physiological things that are just happening um, without me really recognizing it or doing anything, but it's all the other things that have made such a difference. Like 
the, it doesn't do anything psychologically for me. I had to do all that work Mm -hmm. separate, I guess you could say. Um, so, and you know, at the time, like once I had start seeing that, you know, I could put this work in and I can do those things. Like my doctor wasn't gonna, I mean, she was giving me samples because I, that I literally was like, there's, I can't do anything else. And I'm not at that point. I was like, I'm not getting surgery. Like I'm not, that is off the table for me. And so she was able to like, see that, I guess, intrinsic motivation. And she was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to help you because you are dedicated and you are wanting to like be the best version of you. And so I had never had a doctor tell me that, like, I literally cry every time I see the woman. Um, but it's just an interesting thing because I was listening to a podcast with a guy that had gotten weight loss surgery. And, you know, again, he just views it, viewed it as a tool. He now does CrossFit and he like lives this completely different life. And it had nothing to do with just the surgery. It was everything that comes after it. Um, but I, I was so freaking unhealthy that I was like the thought of going under anesthesia and like, what if, I mean, I had at the time I had sleep apnea, like what, I mean, people that have that are already predisposed to having issues during surgery. Like I I just had all of these thoughts of like, that could go really wrong, you know? Um, my thing, cause we have a couple of clients that are in the program, um, that have had weight loss surgery and like just recognizing, Hey, I am in no way. I don't ever want anyone to feel that I am discounting your experience or that you've somehow taken the easy way out in no way, shape or form. Do I believe that this is extremely difficult? You are changing your entire like anatomy, but I will say that recognize you can change your anatomical whatever in your body but that doesn't mean you've learned how to heal your relationship with food that doesn't mean you've learned how to heal your relationship with the with body dysmorphia and the way you see yourself and your perception of yourself that doesn't mean you've learned how to take on a different identity which i really do want to point out like because we were talking about it last night on our coaching call and like and I, i brought up you And honestly, Victoria, I think the number one thing that helped more than anything is you took on this role of I'm going to become the person I needed. You took on the role of I'm going to be a role model for somebody. I'm, I'm going to use this struggle and this mess that I have created for myself Oh, my baby, I love you so much. And I'm, it's going to be my message. I'm going, and that, that's why I'm so proud of you right now. You know, you're being open and honest, even if it feels uncomfortable, uncomfortable to say, yeah, I've been using, I've been on medication. But you know what, you're, the whole point is you are being honest and sharing your journey. And man, you've shared some really vulnerable stuff, really vulnerable stuff. But you're doing it from a place of knowing that I want to help somebody else. And I promise, like I was talking about this with my clients, like if you can stop letting the shame of whatever you're going through right now, hold you back in isolation and feel like you need to hide. If instead, like the way that you get rid of shame is to put light on it, like is to literally just be like, yeah, yeah, I'm on medication and yeah, 
I gained an, a, a tremendous amount of weight and didn't feel comfortable in my body to the point that like getting out of bed and walking felt like I was like gonna break my ankles. Yeah, and guess what? This is where I'm at now because I've decided, even back in October, you decided that this was the person you were going to be and then you've been living it. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I was not planning on crying today. Um, no, and I think that that was, uh, I would argue, yeah, I think that that was the biggest thing because I had done everything else. I had been to treatment. I had, I have, I quite literally, and Kelsey has seen them, binders full of information, worksheets, like all of that stuff is great. But like, if you don't believe that you are that person, it's like nothing. And so I had never like been in a therapy session or anything where somebody's like, if that's who you want to become, just start doing those things. So anyways, um, the other aspect of it is like that I was thinking about the other day was it has helped me one, my A1C is like all like a lot lower, significantly lower. Also, my blood pressure went from 140 over 90 to like 115 to like 120 over 780, 7580. And so when I look at it from that perspective, because I was telling Josh's dad's girlfriend, who's a doctor, like about the insurance debacle. And she was like, you need to like blow them up and you need to like, you need to like get in their faces about this. Cause this is insane that like all of this life change has happened for you. Like your entire life has changed and they would rather just give you a surgery. Like yeah, they would yeah. rather do that. And I have all of these markers. I, I mean, now I, I go to the doctor every four weeks to get things checked. Um, and now I have literal evidence in my medical records of this is what's happened. Like, this is how our fasting gl glucose has changed. This is how our blood pressure has changed. My heart rate used to sit at like 116, no nice. joke. Like yeah. I was in full blown, like, one of was because like I was so unhealthy that any exertion, right? The other part was like I was an anxious mess. Mm -hmm. And now it's just, I don't know what it what it is, but it's a lot lower. Um, and so there was all these things that have changed. And so I look at, you know, is this was this a valid way of doing it? And it was like nobody's lived my experience. I've not lived somebody else's experience. Like you don't know until you're that person. And the other part of it is like, look at how much has changed and like what this medication as a tool was able to do for your health. Right. And again, so. I, it's a tool. I, I really do think though, like I need people to hear me on this. If you just take the medication and you don't have that identity shift, if you don't recognize and say that this is it for me and I'm going to become a different type of person, I, I really don't think it would have the same effect and and the other part of it is like you know I love the intuitive eating concepts and I've talked to you about this like I was like is this completely 
again, I mean, I would say, yes, it is completely against the intuitive eating framework and all of those things. Um, but I was reading last night, like a specifically a doctor, a dietitian that like specifically does intuitive eating stuff for post-op bariatric surgery. Um, and she was just explaining different aspects of her practice. And I was just thinking like, this really goes to, and I don't remember the quote exactly, but like taking what's useful, taking the things of you that are the things of a concept or whatever that are useful, discarding the things that aren't and making it my own unique experience. Yep. And, and I mean, I'll be honest, like if you just go to your doctor and ask for a certain medication, like they're not just going to prescribe it to you. Like there is so much that goes into it. I would say like, you know, if Kelsey was to go to the doctor and like, they would be like, you're funny. Like you're really funny. Yeah. Um, I also didn't go, I know that they have like weight loss clinics and obesity clinics. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wasn't going to do that. I know that like, for the most part, a lot of them just do the appetite suppression thing. And like, I wasn't, I wouldn't say that like the medication doesn't affect my appetite, but I also knew like I had to have enough hunger cues to still yeah. be in tune with my body, you know? Um, so it's just, I guess that is like kind of my experience. This is part of my story. Um, and it also kind of talks about, brings light to like the insurance issues. It brings light to all of the work that has to be done on the inside because yeah there is, I mean, there's nothing that will trump that basically. There's nothing that is going to trump that. But there are tools and it's been really interesting because like, obviously like intuitive eating was the thing that brought me here and it was a big deal. The more and more I dive into it, I think, I think intuitive eating is a tool. I don't think it's the be all end all. And I think more than anything, I've started shifting into the idea that rather than being an intuitive eater, I want to be an intentional eater. I want to be somebody who like eats like consistently, even like I will always try and have my four meal experiences a day. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I want to make sure that I'm eating, you know, in the morning I'm having breakfast. Like what is the intention behind it? Why am I eating what I'm eating? How am I eating? Am I actually enjoying the experience? Am I actually tasting the food? Um, is it, how is it nourishing my body and my soul? Like, I just, I think sometimes when we hear the word intuitive, we're just like, oh, you know, I just like, I eat whatever. And, you know, and you and I both know that, but for some reason, like when I think about the word intentional, it just feels a little bit more in alignment with how, with who I am and and how I believe things can be. Um, because I think sometimes we're like, well, I, you know, I wasn't hungry or like, well, I don't know. How do I know I was full or like, I would also say like, you know, intuitive, your body might not like want the protein, carbs and fat, but Mm -hmm. I think having that intentional perspective, it's like, no, I know that when I have a balanced plate and I'm having, and I do increase my protein or any of those things, like it is going to make a difference and it does make me feel better. And so I, I like that as well. I guess it's just subscribing to that gray area that we mm-hmm. time, um, because I thought like it was either going to be all intuitive eating or nothing at all. And it's really not that it's just that I've taken these like concepts, principles and applied it to 
like my specific experience. So, yeah. I love it. Sorry, hopefully you can't hear my dog. <laughs> but it's okay. But um, so yeah, that's kind of. I mean, if you have questions, you can. You're more than welcome to reach out to us on Instagram, um, Facebook. I'm like, that's not really whatever. You can reach out on Facebook if you want, but good luck. I don't have those notifications on. <laughs> Um, but I guess if that is where you are, like, and it, it it really does take into account, like all of these things, like you have to be pretty down in the dumps and like at a complete loss to kind of take those measures, I guess you can say, um, because a lot of it is if you just start implementing the lifestyle things, like your body will know what to do. Um, but I was at a point where I had been so drastic, so all or nothing, so black and white that my body was like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to eat in the next few hours or the next few days, or I'm going to have like a week's worth of meals in one sitting. Like I really had done my body a disservice, Mm -hmm. um, because of diet culture and all of those things. So and again, you were at a point that you were approved for weight loss surgery. Like I need people to understand, like, cause I, I'm sometimes people don't, we have a perception, like this is the hard part about body dysmorphia is sometimes we don't see ourselves. Yes. You know what I mean? Sometimes we don't really know where we're at we we think that we're there we're worse off than what we actually are if that makes sense um and and you definitely were at a a medical point yes I was at a point where I was like I could drop dead any moment like at 23 guys like at 23 with sleep apnea with a heart rate of 116 you know with high blood pressure with those a1s like at 23 like your whole life like it's yeah yeah. So I would just say that like it, it's not just something that like everyone can go do. And like, it's not something that, I mean, it, it was very extreme. And I, I typically like, I've, I've mentioned like to a few people, like the weight, my highest weight. And they were like, really? And I'm like, yeah, you, I mean, really come on. Like I was, I literally look like a, my face looks like a different person compared. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. So I had the event last Saturday at my house and I invited somebody from that I had met. She's now a nurse, but she was in nursing school last year when I met her in July. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have not seen her since November of last, at that point, November, she legit walked into my house, went shopping, like talked to every, all the other vendors walked right past me was like getting ready to leave. And she's like, do you know where Victoria is? And she was like, I was like, I'm right here. And she was like, holy shit. Like she (laughs) had no, I I mean, literally she had looked at me like four or five times the whole time she was there and had no idea. So like that, I guess as a testament to how like far gone, how this way I was mm-hmm. compared to now it was so funny I was la- I, like we could not stop laughing she was like I literally didn't even know who that was I just thought it was some random lady like somebody shopping at the party dang I see so, that's that's really cool like, yeah November October late October 
But like, these are the things, like if you were only going for that, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like obviously you wanted weight loss, obviously you wanted this outcome, but again, guys, like you were doing it anyway, you were sticking to the habits and still talking about your story and becoming this person anyway, regardless of how that, that, that came and it will be interesting to kind of see where you think your set weight point is it'll I mean for and it that's what I mean like it's not like you're really in a set caloric deficit right now as far as I know it's not like you're so you're like something you're necessarily trying maybe but I mean like it I would say that you're kind of just eating normal and just letting your body kind of find where it feels good I had heard there was a podcast recently I sent it to you and one of the things that like stood out to me she was talking about how like our capacity for joy is already at 100 percent like right oh it's and maybe we can do a whole other podcast on it but like i just want to point it out right now like our capacity for joy is already at 100 percent right this moment you get to choose like and it's this idea that for so many of us we are looking for something external, like an external change to happen to give us the permission to feel that joy. Mm-hmm. And she had this thing because she had lost like 30 pounds or whatever else. And she was like, it wasn't until I understood that happy was better than thin, mm-hmm. which as a thin person, let me tell you, you can be thin and unhappy. So <laughs> really unhappy and hate yourself. So just kind of recognize that 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 end goal that you're looking for, like when I get there, then I can feel happy, then I can feel joy. It is elusive. Yeah. It's the same same thing. Like happy is better than rich. Happy is better than a relationship. And you have the opportunity to choose to feel that now. You have the ability to give yourself the permission. to feel that now and I think you have yeah well and I guess this the testament to like truly enjoying and embracing the journey because I knew I was like a year is a long time I mean I mean it's really not in the grand scheme of things but it it feels long and I knew that I had to make it enjoyable in the process and still be able to feel like I was living life and all of those things One, in order to be sustainable and two, to be able to enjoy it and actually want to do it the next day. Like I, I, if these things weren't enjoyable to me or like this process, like I wouldn't feel as motivated or inspired or whatever to keep going. And so my whole goal was to just like cultivate something that where I could feel that joy where I could feel those things on a regular basis and not be waiting for like well once I'm off the diet then I'll go to all the part like all the family events or all Mm -hmm. the like then I'll enjoy um you know Thanksgiving or whatever I was like no I'm gonna freaking enjoy it while I'm here like that was a lot of it was like trying to make the now really really enjoyable because I had done the wait until kind of thing. Um, Yeah, I like that. Well, she said that when she got that, when that clicked in, that happy is better than thin, 
that's when her body was able to release the weight. Yeah. Like, cause then she was actually able to come from a place of joy, of love, of appreciation, as opposed to disgust, punishment, hating yourself. And I, I know how difficult this is, guys. There's always a place where we want to get to. And I'm not saying, but, but you have to recognize you will forever only be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot learn to love and accept yourself fully in the body that you are now, I can promise you it won't matter how thin you get, how, how low, how much weight you lose, you will not know how to fully love or accept yourself then. Yeah. It, it just, I know it feels counterintuitive. I know it can feel frustrating, but don't miss out on this part. Don't miss out on this part of the journey. Don't miss out on being in your overweight or bigger body. Don't miss out on it because there are going to be things that, that you can appreciate and look back on and be like, oh, and I know like the best part is just like Victoria said, she's been documenting this whole journey. And she's now able to like, look back and be like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. Like, and, and look at it fondly. And that's the whole point. Cause guys, like you only have right now. So enjoy this part. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and, and being so open and vulnerable. I know how scary it is. I know there was a part of you that like was afraid that people would be like, oh, that's, oh, that's how she did it. Or that's it. Or like discounting or belittling or whatever. But I don't believe that that's how anyone is going to take it. I think that everyone sees and knows you and the work that you have done. And again, like when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and share your real self, you give others the permission to be vulnerable, to be authentic, and to show up as their best selves. So I appreciate you very, very much. I appreciate you. Yeah, it was, I guess, last point. Like, it's been interesting to see how even, like, if I don't specifically relate to somebody, how it can still have that, like you say, ripple effect. Um, I had a friend over the other day, well, new friend, and we were doing photos Um, and she was like, she is so insecure about her acne and we start talking. I've never struggled with acne. Like I have, uh, I have major. And so like, I cannot relate to that, but she said something interesting and I was like, I can relate to that. So she was like, I really want to get into, she's also a nurse. And she was like, I really want to get into medical aesthetics and, you know, Botox filler, all that stuff. Um, and even like kind of the PRP facial stuff. So like mm. kind of esthetician work. And I was like, dude, it's amazing. Like you can make really good money. You can own your own practice. I mean, there's so many options. And she was like, yeah, but I can't help but think like people are just going to be like, well, why is she talking about this? Like her face is effed up. And I was like, like, I, I got like choked up <laughs> and I was like, woman I'm not going to say her name but I was like I was like I haven't really shared much about my life but like I am like so much I kind of explained to her and I was like had I not been open and willing to share my story and like my experience like yeah I had those thoughts of who's gonna listen I was you know 100 pounds overweight like 
but had I kept that story to myself and this experience to myself, like a lot of other people wouldn't have started their journey. So like, it really opened my eyes to that. And just that, like, I might not be able to connect with her on, I mean, she probably wasn't able to connect with me. Like she, I thought she was drop dead gorgeous. Like she was just glowing. And when she said that, I was like, I get it. (laughs) Dude, it's all like, I, like just a quick, like, this is what happened on the call last night. We had one of our clients. She has been, I think three years sober, by the way, if anyone's listening, if you have ever struggled with drugs or alcohol and you've been able to kick that or heal that or recover, and now you find that you are just out of control with food, it feels like you've either switched addictions or now it's just really made your food addiction really, really addiction. I say whatever. It, if I just need you to know it is way more common than you could ever know. I too had to first heal my relationship with alcohol before I really dove into healing my relationship with food. But, um, this client of mine, she's, she's very vocal, very open and very proud of the fact that she is three years sober. You know what I mean? And, and I was just like, that's amazing. She's like, because I want to help other people. I want them to know that it's possible. I'm like, great, let's start talking about your and hers is, I mean, I'm not going to say any names or anything like that, but like hers is struggling with binging and purging. Dude, me too. That was me. Like, and no one knows because they, they see her and they think that she's super the epitome of health. No one knows that she's struggling in silence, just like it was for me. But I'm just like, I need you to take on that identity of like, yeah, I, 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 I have struggled with binging and purging. And again, I use the language I used to, even when I was still freaking struggling, even when I was still struggling with binge eating and I was still all of the things I would use the language I used to, I used to struggle with this thing, but I am working towards recovery. I am working towards healing and I am going to talk about it. And I'm going to be proud of the decision that I've made to be this person and to be an example and a role model for other people, even while on the journey. I think way too many of us think that like, well, when I lose, like you had said, well, when I lose the weight, then I can start talking about it. It was the same thing. Well, when I make more money or when I have more clients or when I, I, you know, really finish like for dude, like I still, I still struggled with binge eating for a long time when I was talking about it before it actually like kind of ended, like you have to talk about it as if and act as if you're already that type of person. You just have to, even when you're not quite there yet, that is what gets you there. And like, and people want real people. They don't want somebody who's got it all figured out. They want somebody that they can relate to and understand. And I, I love that. I, please guys, like, if there is something that you're not feeling good about, like if, it, if you're on a journey, if it's your mess, how can you be the hero of your story and make it your message? And if you want to learn a little bit more about that, especially when it's coming to like food, like that's what we do. The program's called Rediscover You. 
So I want to help you become the best version of you. And if right now the thing holding you back is binge eating, overeating, emotional eating, body dysmorphia, if that's where you're at right now, book a free strategy call and let's chat because you do not need to be on this journey alone. And the more like that I can help you believe in you, the more that like you can start being a ripple effect and a role model for other people, just like beautiful Victoria has been for so many people. Sounds a good one. Love you. Love you lots. Um, and then we will have resource notes, all of our links and everything in the show notes. Um, and then our challenge to you this week is to share this podcast with at least one other person. I like that challenge. All you have to do is click the little box thing with the arrow going up. Um, and then if you're like kind of more of a visual person, watch us on YouTube. It's way better. You get to see all the tears. I know. And it's- I'm sorry for those of you I've been eating for the first like 10 minutes of the episode. <laughs> I had a brownie for breakfast. Good times. So good. Kodiak cakes. Sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, team. Thank you guys so much. We love you. And uh, we'll chat with you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.